to Design Assembly Conversations. In this series, we talk to New Zealand graphic designers, hear their stories and celebrate their work. I'm Louise, and today I'm talking to Chris Flagg. Chris is the Design Director at Strategy Creative in Christchurch. Chris, hi, thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, it's a pleasure. On a lovely, sunny Christchurch day. Um, Chris, I'd like to um, start with asking you where you've come from. How did you get into graphic design? Okay, so from Dunedin originally, and oh, I think my kind of first design memory was sketching logos on my um, on my exercise book in Form One, drawing Nike, and I think it was Billabong Quicksilver. Um, and from there, I started to you know, get into design, and then at high school art class or design class was the only class you're allowed to listen to music and eat um, and eat food so I kind of enjoyed that part and uh, it was good fun so did, did that did art and design at Seventh Form and bursary and did quite well and went to university for, for two years uh, sorry one year in Dunedin um, and then saw an application for scholarships to Design Arts College in Christchurch so sent in an application and Somehow got that scholarship and then spent two years at DNA in Christchurch. Um, my tutor back then was a lady called Gail Anderson. Slightly crazy, um, but really um, super passionate. And it was all about, about the idea and then the execution, which I, um, I thought really, really worked. It was, it was great to have ideas behind something. And it was, oh, I don't know, I just felt education then and what I got design arts college was was good because it, it made you think about what you're doing rather than just um, uh, design for the design's sake. Uh, so yeah, did two years at design college. Um, and then after that, I, um, I had to get a job. So I made these, oh man, how do I explain it? I made these uh, like kind of Ken dolls and they were called Graphic Design Man. And the Kenzo had his own mini laptop and a little little booklet, little book that came with him of my work. And I sent these shrink wrapped and made to look like a a Barbie or a you know a set. So I sent these out to um, the top five agencies in Christchurch, and then I sent a few around around New Zealand to to Auckland and to to Wellington. Um, and in those days, there oh no, there was email saying it was email so I sent these out and then I kind of waited and I heard back from a couple of people saying hey can you come and have a chat and then one one agency I really wanted to work at was Strategy in Christchurch um, a couple of weeks before I sent out my application I saw an article in the newspaper and it was all about this agency in Christchurch called Strategy and they had um, amazing Christmas parties they used to get weekly massages um, company lunches toy days where you just go down to the warehouse and buy all these toys and, and play with them and have like you know, gunfights and stuff like that. I thought, hey, that's a place I'd love to, to work at, but I didn't think I had a chance. And um, So I sent one to, to Guy Pass, who was the craft director, and I got an email back saying, hey, great work, come in for a chat. P.S. you spout Einstein wrong. <laughs> so like my first like big, big moments, and I um, and I'd spout Einstein wrong. So, <laughs> One thing I've learned is, is um, attention to detail is super important and I am very weak at spelling uh, but somehow now I can pick other people's mistakes. Uh, so that was, that was good and that was my first introduction to Guy 
came in and met him uh, and this guy called Doug and had a chat and they really liked what I was doing and offered me a, a three month internship um, and I ended up staying for four and a half years at Strategy in Christchurch which was uh, fascinating that was um, a time when we were rebranding or sorry doing the brand for the Christchurch Art Gallery which was a piece that um, has been highly awarded around the world done really well in New Zealand at the Best Design Awards and I think set a benchmark for um, kind of cultural and arts organisations and how to to kind of break the mould and make them feel fresh uh, and also it was a landmark project for Christchurch in terms of the building um, do you know yeah I do I mean that project the um, building or the, the project I remember yeah. that project and um, to me it really defined strategy as a yeah. as a design agency yeah. as well but tell me about the building the, um, the Agalo building yeah yeah so it's it's got all these glass panels down it and apparently it takes them like a week to clean all the glass panels and then they have to start again <laughs> so it's iconic based on the, um, the shape of the Avon um, so the building was, was fantastic but um, we took most of our references from a, uh, a typeface that we got developed by a, a British guy called Jeremy Tankard um, and people were outraged then because we didn't use a New Zealander or a guy didn't use a New Zealander and in those times there was no Chris um, Salisbury no no one like that who was really moving New Zealand type design forward so Jeremy was, was, was fantastic um, and I was lucky to to join the studio as a junior designer in the middle of this big big art gallery project so I got to work on like programs and small parts of it um, and as I I guess my I grew as a designer, I started to do campaigns and some of those, one was for a guy called Jackie Meddy who made really skinny sculptures. So we came up with this idea of by all the lampposts in Christchurch making the shadow look like one of um, one of the sculptures. Um, we also found these corgis just down the road and we put shadows of his sculptures next to the corgis. So it became this really big ambient campaign um, which did well. The Cleo's getting a silver. Um, and then we did some work for another guy called Cecil Beaton, a famous photographer. And we did chalk names, just using the font around town. So really kind of bringing that, um, I guess, bring design to the streets and, and making it part of the community. So that was, um, yeah, it was fascinating to work on those projects and, and be part of a really, I guess, a big, a busy growth period for, for strategies and agency as well. Um, yeah, it was a, yeah, great start, yeah. yeah. And um, you went from strategy and lived and worked overseas, uh, mostly in London. Tell us about this time in your life. London, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, awesome. I mean, I, I got to a point where, uh, yeah, I think four and a half years in New Zealand, I kind of wanted to go overseas, um, see the world. Um, yeah, and ended up in London because that's what most Kiwis do, and it's easy to get a, a visa. Um, yeah, so I turned up there and I, I thought, Great, I'm just going to work straight into a job. It's going to be pretty easy. You know, I've got come from New Zealand, worked at Strategy, done, done some good work, it should be fine. Um, I got to London and straight away they're like, so what can you do? And I said, well, I can do editorial, I can do logos, I can do brands, uh, advertising, a little bit of motion. And I, they're like, so what can you do? Uh, a bit of everything. And there they want to, uh, all my experience was they want to take you and put you in a box and make you specialise in something. Um, so at the start, the recruiters, they didn't really know what to do. They were like, you've got, you've got good work, but I don't know where to place you. So 
while they were trying to find me work, I, um, I ended up, it's a very Kiwi thing, isn't it? Working in a bar um, on a six pound an hour for, I think I lasted one night, um, which is pretty daunting experience serving pints to really drunk British Kiwis and Australians. So it was good fun. But I, I did, I get a, got a call um, to go to an agency called 23 Reds and they were much like strategy in terms of they did a bit of everything and they kind of they were set up by, by a South African who won a lot of money at the casino which is why it's called 23 Red um, but they had a similar kind of ethos in terms of they do a lot of, of different things so they I felt like I could fit in there mm. um, and then somehow the first campaign I worked on was with Michael Schumacher for Bacardi Global so they're Bacardi Global's first uh, worldwide campaign to highlight, um, oh, sorry, to stop people drink driving. So the idea was that Schumacher went to a party, at the end of the party, instead of driving home, he handed his keys in and took a taxi. Um, so it was, you know, I think these days it's, you know, it's, it's pretty commonplace now. You, know, you just don't drink and, yeah. and drive. But, you know, seven, eight years ago, there was still what wasn't as common. Um, so it was fascinating to do the, the, kind of the type development around that. And then the second thing was um, uh, the next project they handed me was Martini Racing was celebrating its 60th anniversary. It's a big, big brand. And they said, Chris, here you go, you've got, I think it was like two days or something to design a logo, which is in some ways quite scary, in other ways it was, it was good fun. So I managed to do the identity for, for that. Um, so yeah, after that it just, at 23 Red, it just flowed really well. But oh, I was, you know, great bunch of young people there, so I got to play touch rugby. It was a really good community. Um, and also from that, there was a, a really good, like, creative side. They really valued um, the thinking side of design, but also the idea is that we're a creative community. So they'd have talks, I think it was every second week, um, that invite clients in to, to give talks on what they were doing. So there's a really a good um, I guess a good vibe so I think I was there for one and a half years um, and then the recession, recession hit and I think it was kind of what is that last in first out so I was I went into a meeting which I thought was about a pay rise <laughs> yeah. uh, to be told um, your uh, what's the words they use your position um, yeah Something like we're going to have to leave done. So they tried to sugarcoat it. Yeah. Uh, and then you work it out. Um, and it was because with um, recessions and also uh, election coming up, you can't do any work for governments as soon as they call election. So one of our biggest clients was government. So straight away, no more work for them. And then the day after that, Vodafone um, decided to stop working with us to pull a big project. So they just had to start letting people go. So that was, I was like, oh, okay, cool. It's a little bit gutted, they're really cool, but okay, let's see what else is going on. Yeah. Um, and then rang around a couple of friends and then went to work for another agency called Kindred. And they were an agency that had, what was it, three things that just merged. So there was digital, PR, advertising, and design. So four things were merged. And I came in and you could tell it was a company that had merged. Because each of the four parts were there, and they, I was talking to anyone. I don't really know this, so I was just like talking to everyone, and I kept getting all these weird looks. Um, 
but they, yeah, they were, it was good because we had a really strong worked with a really really good uh, design director there um, and a lot of a lot of kind of medium identities um, but yeah it was, it was good vibe and um, people have this perception that British people don't work very hard and I some of the I mean you know I was probably there to see the clock every night and there was always loads of people still there working hard and you know they they do not skive off yep they, they have a drink at lunchtime but man they uh, they work pretty hard yeah and how did um you navigate that recession period and all of the mm-hmm. the studio that you were working in you know was there a general kind of downturn in in the um, vibe and the culture there or yeah well i was i was lucky to be you know i think if there's a big round of redundancies you kind of want to be one of the first to go because then you don't have to put up with the negative like negative vibe so because I was one of the first to go um, every time I went back to see them because a lot of friends there they were all like oh, oh man mate, should I leave should I leave it's really it's a really hard moment because we don't know who's going to be next it can be quite um, it's just really hard not knowing what's going to happen so I think I was lucky uh, if I was in a position with people around me were getting made redundant, then I think it would be it'd just be hard. Don't don't know what to do really. Yeah. yeah. And Kindred weren't really affected or uh, Kindred were kind of smaller clients? They 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 had some big, big clients, but they um they managed to be able to get get around that just by timings, um, and having they had a reasonably large owner, uh, I think it was called Tribal, which owned a lot of other companies. So they basically just ended up rebranding a lot of other companies to keep, like, to keep, keep it going. Yeah. Um, and they, they managed to get through it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And was it interesting being in, you know, in London in general and during that time? Oh, you know, the impact on yeah. kind of prof- other professions or yeah, some professions weren't affected mm. um, as, as much, and then other things like quite a lot of my friends went home, went came back to New Zealand because of that. Um, and then others, like, there's always a great opportunity in a recession as well. Mm. Other side of the coin, which is um, that's a great time to start like, like startups and things like that because you can fly under the radar and just do what you do you can get past uh, lots of hurdles um, but I, I think you know that's probably when a lot of yeah, a lot of exciting things happen but it's such a a, a balance um, I was lucky to also have I was teaching outdoor education like for a couple of months as well um, so I used to use that as a like career like I'd work for nine months and take three months off and go to Wales and abseil kids off off a castle, which was fun, so that that really helped to kind of balance out the okay, well, recession versus work versus okay, I'm just going to go and do something else for a couple of months, come back, then I'm like, you know, back super positive and you know, I can just get on. And they love the Kiwi attitude, yeah. like you just get in and make it happen and just get on and do things, eh? And was that um, how you got to um, taking expeditions up to Kilimanjaro? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big, yeah. Divergence from, divergence from design, but uh, design did ha- help. Um, yeah, so, oh, that was the Christchurch part of me. Um, so, obviously, big earthquake six years ago in Christchurch. Um, I was in London at that time, and I just felt helpless watching on TV, seeing all my friends back in Christchurch going, I can't, what can I do from London? Um, and I was like, well, 
That's in 30. Uh, I was already planning on climbing Kilimanjaro anyway, so I thought, hey, let's make this into an expedition. Um, I just emailed friends, wrote into blogs, and, and there's a great magazine in London called TNT, asked them to write an article, and they did, and basically just got the word out and got 12 people together from around the world. Um, some were from New Zealand, Australia, Africa, London, we got together and then we climbed Kilimanjaro. Um, we ended up raising $20,000. Wow. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and the best bit for me, obviously resume for Christchurch, but the second best bit was uh, my wife, or she's now my wife, uh, was on the expedition. She was on the people that climbed it. So we met, she was in New Zealand and we were like talking, like she volunteered to, to help. I never met her, she volunteered to help. She saw it on Facebook, she said, I want to be part of this expedition. Um, I was like, yeah, perfect. So we started Skyping and then uh, one thing led to another. <laughs> Yeah, we we're now we're now married. So yeah. she moved from New Zealand to London to to be with me. So yeah, it's uh, awesome. Pretty uh, yeah, it's not your average yeah. um, how you met yeah. <laughs> story. Yeah, but I think um, design side of things, mm. my design background really helped there because I, I could build the website, I could mm. design the flyers, I could then you know talk to people, sell them the idea, sell them the dream about raising money, but at the same time follow through. Especially when we're dealing with sponsors, like we can and do Icebreaker, um, a few other brands involved. So I can, you come across like really professional, but also use like the business side as well, mm-hmm. and to make sure it all work. Plus, keep the expedition happy. You know, so there's quite a few things to to work together. But it's, oh, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah it was, it was yeah. really fun. And um, so, you know, it sounds like you've got a habit of coming up with these uh, side projects. Yes, passion projects. Side projects are. So good for um, career, for just you know yourself personally, just you know growing yourself, and you know, we, most things, well, great things happen away from the computer. We just use the computer now as a tool to to bring those to to life. Um, yeah. yeah. So then, in two thousand and fourteen, you um, curated Sands for Cancer, which for people that don't know was a poster exhibition that celebrated 20 years of the typeface Comet Sands and raised money for Cancer Research UK so where did that idea come from? oh god ah yeah Um, so it's an idea well I had this idea for a while which was to redesign Comet Sands um, and redesign it as you know let's make let's improve the font let's make it better Um, and that's the event this idea was around for a while Um, and then I saw there's another guy Craig someone, Salter I think his name was, he was in Japan and he redesigned Comic Sans and called it Comic Serif. I was like, oh my god, I saved my idea, so I can't do that. And then I thought, well hey, it's going to be 20 years of um, uh, of Comic Sans and no one is celebrating this thing, this is massive, like Helvetica is celebrated, but I guarantee more people know of Comic Sans than Helvetica. So I was like, well, what is something else that people really hate? Cancer. Why does it we take the idea of, of, of Comic Sans and Cancer and combine them together? Because um, everyone hates both of them, everyone knows about them. So from that, Comic Sans for Cancer was born. It's a super, super simple idea. Um, partly a piss take. Like the whole thing is not meant to be taken seriously. Yeah. Um, but the fact that my mum knows about Comic Sans, like, she's like, oh my god, I love that typeface, means it's fantastic. Because yeah. you can talk to anyone about it. Um, so then it was like, how can we involve more people? So simple, sign a poster to celebrate 20 years of Comic Sans. 
and then we just I just put it out on Twitter. It was very lucky. Uh, Adrian Sorg Nessie um, tweeted about it, and from that, it got picked up by media and just snowballed and blew up. And we had over 500 submissions from 30 something countries, uh, something like 13 million reach, um, and then raised was it 12,000 pounds, um, something like that. So, because it's so easy to talk about. Um, Comic Sans and everyone hates it or loves it like this, you know, this division that it, 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 it can grow and it we'll probably we'll probably do it again for the twenty-fifth. Um, and you know, make some eyes bleed like, and the best bit, which I think was probably quite lucky in a way, um, was Vincent Connier, the creative uh, the designer of Comic Sans. Um, I just emailed him and said, Hey, we've we got this idea of an exhibition. Are you keen to be involved? Expecting him to come back and say, I hate comic scenes, I hate that everyone pisses me about it, leave me alone. Uh, and he came back and said, yeah man, just let me know what you want me to do. I was like, what? So the biggest thing I learned was actually just ask. Because what I then found out was that he is a massive advocate for cancer research and he, his wife is involved with them and he does a lot of like work, talks to them and does lots of things. So he's like, yeah, definitely. And so we managed to get him to sign 500, no, sorry, 200 um, books from the exhibition, which in the front of the book say, um, says, this is all my fault, <laughs> signed Vincent Connier. So the fact that he managed to do that for us was awesome. Um, we then, I then went to uh, Creative Review, which is a big, big design publication, and said to them, um, we are doing a an exhibition would love you guys to come along and interview Vincent uh, the guy wrote back and said hey I can't come on that night I'm busy um, anything else I can do and I said hey I was a bit cheeky I said can you write us a foreword for our book and he's like yeah and we're like what the hell does this happen you know so you could say luck you could say it's just asking for it but um, yeah so it was, it was really really satisfying um, it was also quite challenging and sad when you get emails from people saying, hey, my mum's just died from cancer, thank you so much for doing this. It's like, you kind of go, well, you know, design can actually affect or can change things. Um, and then there was one of the guys who did a post who sadly died from cancer, I think maybe a year ago. So we've reissued his poster and that, that kind of, that felt quite, felt right. Um, felt like something he would have, would have liked as well. And we made a little bit more money for, for cancer research from that. So I think, um, you know, why it's kind of funny and sad at the same time. It's something that works you know, and crosses through not just design, and that's, I think that's something that's quite important. It's not just be in our little design bubble going, you know, doing posters for posters. It's like, actually, let's do things that can widen the community and, and involve people that aren't so involved with, with design. Mm -hmm. it, it can be, design for good can, can actually work. Yeah. yeah. And so do you think you'd run the uh, another poster exhibition out of um, Christchurch this time or yeah, do you have any ideas yeah, I mean, that's, that's, it's something I'd, I'd love to do and I know it's, it's strategy we would love to do and we've had a, a couple of little ideas but nothing that's we don't we or I I don't know how you put it don't want to do something that's just here look at us as strategy um, there's, it doesn't really I don't, don't see much in that um, but I, I think there is a place to do something, whether it is a post exhibition, I'm not sure. 
um, but there may be something. But I think if the idea comes and it's right, we'll definitely do something. Yeah. Um, yeah but like, we'll so you've still got like another year or two before that. Yeah, before yeah. the 25th, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, so if I don't come up, <laughs> it's gonna be, it'll be that one again, um, but there will be some way we can do it mm. that it will involve New Zealanders yeah. more, because Dublin didn't have, it did have a few New Zealanders involved, but mainly just friends, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think something that definitely pushes you something more would be, be really good, yeah, for sure. And so you, you're back in Christchurch now mm. working in, as the design director at Strategy. Yeah, yeah. Did you set out to come back to Strategy? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I love the, I love the, uh, the questions. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it's funny the way you kind of start somewhere and then you end, you end somewhere and it feels like you go full circle. Maybe it's, it's part of life. But um, when I left Strategy, I, I thought I would love to find some, somewhere that has the same ethos, that really values design, they used the craft of it um, and I found that in parts in London you know mm-hmm. and it was something I always missed and when I came back to New Zealand uh, well on my way back to New Zealand Jeff, Jeff Cranko uh, the managing partner of the strategy got in touch and really he really wanted me to come back and um, you know, I kind of thought about it I was like well I could I could go and look around and, and you know look at other places but I know what I'm getting with strategy and I, I to me, it works, and I, I like the ethos. I like how we think. I like how we do things, and I like that value to the craft and design. And a lot of places don't have that in the same way. They they might value other things, and, and that's super important to me. And you know, I quite you know, I love to look at the old art gallery work that was done years ago by by a series of, of designers, and, and and still feel that that work still works now. And the same with a lot of the old work. The stuff that strategy stuff for Catman do, um, the recent stuff for Coca, TEDx. I hope some of that will still feel timeless in a few years to come. So that's I guess that's the thing that kind of drew me back here. Um, and then being back here, yeah, all that stuff has been reinforced. Mm-hmm. That strategy is still doing that, um, and we are looking ways to, to to grow and change change with the times as well at the moment. Um, which is quite fascinating. There's a few ideas in, in the works, um, especially around our, our, our thinking books that we put out every couple of years. Uh, how that will go, is it still a book? Where does it head to? And these are things we're always talking about. I mean, you know, disruptive technology, Airbnb, things like that. Um, they all develop from ideas, but then executed through design, through whether it's inter- you know, an app for Airbnb, um, Sorry, and the same for Uber. It's like saying, okay, is that where design's heading? Do we need to be thinking about how we can apply layers to the clients we work with? And then, you know, it's it's not now about the lady head or the business card. It's about actually how does that brand work in, out there? Um, and that's, I guess, where the biggest thing we can offer, which is thinking, um, how that can kind of translate into design. Yeah. And what's a project that you're working on at the moment in the studio that you can tell us about? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, this, uh, I can't really talk about a few of those. Um, I can talk about past projects, maybe. Yeah, so, the, um, I mean, okay, actually, great one. So, some stuff we've just done. Uh, David Shrigley, a British, yeah. maybe Dawn Antics, yeah. a little bit. Okay, I'll start it here. Uh, so, David Shrigley, a um, British artist, very, uh, he's a funny guy. Um, he's from, so, he's from Scotland. 
he's been living in London. Um, so he does mainly line drawings, black and white line drawings, but very, very funny. Um, and there, some of them are political, some of them are play on things that are happening out there in the world. Um, he recently did the fourth plinth in London. So in Trafalgar Square, they have a fourth plinth and they commission artists to do it. He made this massive um, thumbs up with a really elongated thumb. And it was all about everything's going to be all right. Yeah. And the play on the kind of thumbs up uh, like on Facebook. So he's got a great sense of humour. Um, he's got a taxidermist ostrich with no head. He used to stuff, this sounds really weird, dead animals. So he's got a cat holding a sign saying, I'm dead. He's very, very funny. I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm doing him justice. But his exhibition's on at the moment, so we've just um, finished a campaign for him where we got sent 900 drawings that he's done and asked how can we use these. So we've ended up um, taking, I think, maybe 30 or 40 of them and putting up those posters up around town. So every poster you see will be different. So we took his exhibition to the streets. Uh, and then on Instagram, we've just followed it up with highlighting those different pieces and just keeping it quite fun and lighthearted. Um, but he is an absolute mad man. So if you're in Christchurch, I'm not sure when this podcast goes live, but this is on until the 28th of May. So I recommend going. If not, go and check David Shirley out. He's absolutely fascinating. Such a funny, funny guy. We should have got him to do um, Comic Sans for Cancer. He would have been absolutely brilliant at that. And working in um, Christchurch, it's mm. obviously a city that's undergoing a huge yeah. redevelopment and kind of yeah. reimagining as yeah. a city. Yeah. So, you know, do you think that kind of the council or they are getting <laughs> it right in, in terms oh, of man. design and, and experience? This is probably the only thing that gets me really angry. Um, so, no. <laughs> I think they're trying, but it's that thing where you ask, ask too many people's opinions, then you end up just falling flat. I think there are a couple of things that are going well, but the big thing, and maybe it's just having been in London and to Amsterdam and things like that, is public transport. Christchurch is flat, and there are so many cars out there. I think we needed light rail, um, a better biking system. Um, there's no reason why people can't be taking the train in from Rangiora, from Rolston, corner of four abs, and then walking. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and then before the earthquake, everyone was going to the malls outside Christchurch, whereas now, because it's taken so long to fix the middle or the heart of Christchurch, just road cones, roadworks everywhere, uh, it's, it's really hard to get those key anchor tenants in. Um, so I think they've got a big challenge. But in saying that, there are things like the Buskers Festival, which has been phenomenal and, and world-class and that gets people into town. Uh, Gap followers, hope some of that stays. I hope they just don't kick out all of the personality and make everything um, kind of standard cookie-cutter architecture in the middle. But it's, I don't even know, it's a hard job, but in saying that, there are a few things they've said they're going to do they haven't done. They asked everyone for their opinion, but I don't know how that's, you know, they, they put out plans and precincts and... For me, it's kind of not working. Um, yeah. I think Christchurch is about the people, and then and that's why I love it. But it's, I hope, I hope it will speed up and yeah. get better. Yeah. So, what would you do differently? <laughs> um, <laughs> what, yeah, what do you think the opportunity yeah. is for Christchurch? I think, well, definitely the public transport, mm. um, and then 
sorry, I think I can't afford it. Um, I think it's some way of preserving some of that personality, whether it's um, yeah, yeah, I guess keeping some gap fillers. I mean, there's this uh, where is it? It's neat. You pick building, and it's this massive um, arcade game which you can play. There's a like a a console on the side of the street and you look up to this board or you can play this arcade game this, that, those type of things that just bring personality I would definitely try and keep restart more so the containers because that's something interesting people like when I was on town recently oh I saw there's lots of people there just like being looking at it and checking it out whereas if we just put buildings there which are same as Auckland or Wellington you know, then it just there's no difference there's no oh, let's go look at this building let's go look at this container more I think one's more interesting than the other one tells the story of what we did after the earthquake so I'd try and keep some of that um, but yeah it's, it's not easy and so 2017 you know yeah. talk a little bit to us about what this year represents to you in terms of you know design or yeah. personally yeah. Yeah. where are we heading oh, 2017 um yeah, I mean personally, it's um, it's trying to get get away from the computer, get away from you know keep keep active in other ways. I've like, done a lot of running, which is fantastic. It's a big thing I think is to to keep recharged. Um, but then also I think for me it's about um, like growing the studio as well. So myself and Mark we've been running an internship program which started late last year, working with Ara. So Polytech in Christchurch and that's just been fascinating mm-hmm. seeing the young designers grow and we've got a great team in the studio or from ARA as well and, and seeing those guys grow and, and watching them push us and make up and making us think different ways mm-hmm. and, and just seeing the young talent and seeing how they can be developed that's something personal for me has been really fulfilling like helping them grow and giving them a like here's a framework of things to work through um, and here's how you can, can grow and what you can do. Um, and then also strategy group. Uh, some interns, we've had one intern here who was here as well as Wellington. And then working those relationships, you know, getting to Sydney, um, working together as a larger group on projects. Um, and then getting better results, getting different ways of looking at things. I think you know, when you've been designing for a certain amount of time, you start repeating yourself. And, maybe taking shortcuts, so it's trying to break those habits as well. Um, and then also like kind of push us into different places and, and you know, hopefully that'll end up with, with some design awards, but that's always, you know, that's I guess a byproduct of good work, um, recognition, but it's about like kind of, yeah, so I think I said before, like changing our thinking and, and moving and, and seeing where we can push ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And then you talk about running as a way of yeah. reconnecting to yourself. So, um, what else do you do? Do you have a personal creative practice? No, not really. It's, I guess, you know, a few years ago I did a lot of design, say, out of work. Um, a lot of, you know, enter a lot of poster competitions and I'd just be testing things just to, to you know, keep current or try things out and sometimes I'd bring those into work. But at the moment, I, I don't have the time. I mean, I. My wife's just opened a dance school, an Irish dancing school, um, in her spare time as well. So I've been busy with that. Um, I do a lot of photography, 
So I have a, a camera, um, which I put black and white film in, and I just shoot portraits, I shoot landscapes. Um, Where do you get that processed? Uh, Miraval photo and video. Yeah. They process it as C41, so mm. it's colour. Mm. Uh, but I just, I just love um, the simplicity of black and white, mm. and I then don't have to spend ages on a computer adjusting the colours. I can just shoot it, get it developed, mm. maybe darken it slightly, and that's it. So it's, it's still artistic, but it's not like sitting down, curling tight and things like that. For me, it's great to, you know, capture, capture life. And I've been making, with have made some photography books and things like that, which, you know, I think I just, I just love. Yeah. And did you like, do you like the fact of looking through the viewfinder rather yeah. than being able yep. to see? Yep. Yep. So the that, that camera yeah. is not digital. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, I can just go out and I'll do it. I mean, I, I mainly did it when I was travelling. So photos all throughout Europe, Asia, um, America, things like that, and it's great. Just like a big book, it's like two hundred pages, just all my photos, and I'll just flick through it every now and then. It's just great. Yeah, yeah. What do you pay for a film? Oh, <laughs> 15, 16 bucks a oh, film. Oh, it's not bad. And no. then I pay about twenty bucks to uh, get it developed. So we'll say forty bucks. Yeah. And then the other day. Oh, so gutted the film didn't turn out, oh. and it's of my little uh, nieces and nephews. Yeah. So oh, I just about cried, <laughs> um, especially because they're the age where they just grow so fast. So yeah, but it's, yeah. it's so like you get it, you get just a beautiful black and white shot. It's it's, it's so nice. Mm. Yeah. And finally, what are your wiz- words of wisdom that you'd like to share with other graphic designers and creatives out there? Yep. Um, I would say um, keep pushing yourself. Yeah, just keep, you know, keep doing things. If you if you see something and you think you can do it better, do it. Um, you know, no one ever got in trouble for for trying. You know, ask lots of questions. Um, and if you want something, yeah, ask for it. You know, I think I said like with uh, Vincent Connier, never met him before. Asked him. He said yes. You know, what's the worst that people can say no? Um, if there's a designer you always admired someone you'd like to talk to, drop them an email, you know, get in touch. You know, they're most of them want to, you know, can find some time, I'd like to share stories. Uh, but, you know, I think don't get lost in um, the detail as well, because design can get stressful, it can, you know, can be hard. You have good and bad days, um, and just kind of remember that no one's died, but sure, from design, everything's going to be all right. Um, you know, we can always redo a bit of creative. So don't don't lose sight of that and have fun. Like it's it's meant to be fun. We're we're lucky that we can take things that are in our heads and make them real. Um, you know there are other careers like say accountants, uh, other things, marketing managers. You know things we when you come home and someone says what did you do today and you can actually show something. You go hey I made this or I I thought about this or I made this this brand move better or I came up with this idea which you know designers we can all come up with the next Airbnb things like that so it's the thinking that's the important part so it's you know why not with the guys in our Wellington studio um, Fraser and Matt um, they did refold they were, were students they were young uh, they had this idea of making a, a desk out of cardboard um, which came from another idea was that they were trying to get placements in studios uh, they couldn't find anyone had any room they all said I don't have any room they thought what can we do let's make our own desk bring it into the studio, we can work from our desk, do our own stuff, be part of that vibe. So that's a problem and idea. They're not product designers. 
but then they, they solved this idea, they either designed it themselves, I can't remember, or they, they found someone to make it. Doesn't actually matter. They just, you know, most people sit around and talk for ages about things and don't actually do them, so just do it and then you know, they got it on Kickstarter, they now run Strategy Wellington because of it, or part of because of it. So there's no no excuses easier now. Internet, <laughs> Instagram, Facebook, yeah, should be sweet. Well, thanks very much for your time today, Chris. For more information in relation to this interview, please go to the podcast links and resources on our website, designassembly.org.nz.